I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Podcast Network Asia. Welcome to She Talks Peace a podcast that highlights the role of women peace builders around the world in bringing lasting peace and security to communities. Eavesdrop on their communities and get to know their stories. From the Philippines to Malaysia, from Indonesia to Palestine, from Myanmar to the United States, their dreams and hopes for a world without violence and a world where every woman and girl can be whoever she wants to be. Hosted by... Amina Rasul Bernardo, President of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy. This is She Talks Peace. Our greatest ability as humans is not to change the world, but to change ourselves. And uh, a partner to that quote is the other one he said, the future depends on what we do in the present. Salam, dear listeners. Welcome to the year-end episode of She Talks Peace. I'm Amina Rasul of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy, joining you from Manila. We have reached the end of 2023. And let me tell you, I am glad. 2023 is gone because what I would like to do is to think about 2024 and all the positive, positive possibilities that it can bring to us. In the last year, with She Talks Peace, we marked another year of meaningful dialogue with good friends and peace builders from all around the world. And it was also good to hear new voices. But I'm just so sad that some of these new voices that we heard on She Talks Peace had such tragic stories to tell. We invited two students of Ayesa. Ayesa, of course, is my partner on uh, She Talks Peace. And they're the stories that they told were so tragic. Their fears for their families back home in Gaza and their anger and frustration at what was going on couldn't help but affect me tremendously. But I'm so glad to hear the voices of young people. It's just my hope that these young people look at positive approaches to the conflict in Gaza, that they not be soured by what was going on, that they stay on the peaceful path to resolution of conflicts. And 
I hope, be part of the movement that will push for a peace process in Gaza so that we can have stable, secure peace in the Palestine and in the Middle East and North Africa region. We also had some discussions with previous hosts like Tina Zaman, a journalist and a think tank person from Kuala Lumpur. Uh, we had uh, my sister Salma come on board and talk to us as well. We had old friends like Nina Potarska from Ukraine sharing with us the new developments in uh, Ukraine and the worry that if the world does not come in and support Ukraine, there's going to be so much more tragedy. And not just for the Ukrainians, but for all of us in the world. Because that particular armed conflict in the Ukraine has got to be ended with democracy still intact. In 2023, we reached a hallmark 100th episode. And our guest was the ambassador of the United Kingdom, the ambassador to the Philippines, Her Excellency Lord Bopis, who shared with us the support that the British government is providing to women, particularly women, peace and security. And of course, with great pride, I must share that we won the Intercultural Achievement Award of the Austrian government for media. With even greater pride, let me share that we were the only organization in Asia to receive the Intercultural Achievement Award for 2023. When we started She Talks Peace in 2021, it was really a reaction to COVID. We were locked in our homes and communities, and because, you know, I am a senior citizen, my children kept me imprisoned at home. They wouldn't even let me out of the compound unless one of them was in the car, driving the car, so that they could prevent me from leaving the car. And we thought we had to go out and touch base with our community, be able to continue with our advocacies, be able to share our experiences for peace builders. And a friend of mine said, start a podcast, why don't you? And I said, hey, that's a good idea. But what's a podcast? So having no idea really about this form of communication, we just dug in there, did our very best. And here we are, more than two years later, we have had more than 100 episodes. We have reached over 100 countries. And we have won an award for the work that we do, even though we are still amateurs in the game. I guess this shows all of us that there is a hunger, a thirst for experiences on peace building, experiences that can allow us to think about, I am just an individual. Is there anything I can do or is there nothing? I can do to help secure peace in my community, in my country, and maybe the world. And the experiences of all of our guests have shown us that, yes, you may be just an individual, but, you know, like the little drop of water 
that connects with other drops of water and becomes a raging flood to wash away what evils we may see in our community, what the problems there may be. We can do a lot. We are maybe one little drop of water, but if all drops of water come together, we are a raging flood. Now, for this episode, I thought it would be interesting for us if we listened to the thoughts of the young. Why the young? You know, for somebody who's a senior citizen like me, sometimes we may have the misimpression that we know everything there is to know. And then we come into conversation with young people and we are so amazed by the fresh insights that they have. And so my advice to all of you who are seniors like me, talk to young people. They not only give you fresh insights, but they reinvigorate your thinking process. They give me, anyway, hope for the future. So as we enter 2024, let's hear the thoughts from young people. I have invited two young women who have been working behind the scenes with me. They both graduated from an excellent university in the Philippines called Ateneo de Manila University. They have degrees in diplomacy and international relations, but joined me and have pursued development work on peace and security. Linar has been with us for over a year, and she has gone around the Bangsamoro Autonomous Region of Muslim Mindanao, meeting uh, combatants from the Moro National Liberation Front, from the Moro Islamic Liberation Front, had conversations with uh, child soldiers, would you believe? And, you know, this was like within a couple of months of her joining us. Our second guest, Gab, is a fresh graduate and the person behind the scenes organizing She Talks Peace. She has also traveled to the Bangsamoro Autonomous Region for Muslim Mindanao with us, helping with our ongoing initiatives, such as this diploma program that we are developing on women, peace, and security. They have actually guested uh, before, Linar with their fellow research assistants and Gab uh, with my sister Salma. We had a talk about Palestine. And now I think it would be really wonderful to have them back so we can have a conversation with the next generation. So welcome back to She Talks Peace, Linar and Gab. Hello, ma'am. Hello, Gab. And hello to our listeners. Hey, Gab. Hi, Mom. So, how was your Christmas? What did you do, Gab? Did you go with your mom and uh, paint the town red? Yes, actually, I went to visit my niece. So, I actually have a niece who I haven't met for over a year. And she's now two years old. And it's so nice to be able to spend time with her. So, that's what I did um, over Christmas. Oh, that's so sweet. I love babies. I wish I had another baby of my own. How about you, Linar? Hi, mom. Um, use the Christmas break to really take a break, <laughs> to, to really rest. And I mean, mom, as you mentioned, it's been a year of traveling. I'm really, really happy to be at home to spend more time with my family. Yeah, I remember, Linar, there was one trip of yours 
where you barely had enough time when you came back to wash your clothes. You had to start another activity where you had to stay away from home, right? So rest, good. That's very good. Now, let me ask the two of you. You've been working for over a year now, and you had degrees in diplomacy and international relations. What were your first impressions when you started working with us at the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy in the field of peace and security? Let's start with Gab. What was your first impression, Gab? Were you scared? Not really. Oh, actually, I just didn't know what to expect because as you mentioned, ma'am, having a degree in diplomacy, it's really us trying to understand, for example, how states work and mobilizing change in these levels are very slow and it's hard to know the context of what's happening in, for example, conflict areas. So university didn't really prepare me for anything like what to expect with my work with PCID. But then when I engaged myself with our projects, I saw how the circles on, for example, Women, Peace and Security, um, PCVE, are actually very small. It's a very tight-knit community. And it's very heartwarming also to see other people working together. And I think another thing is there is this misconception about this line of work. So people are sometimes scared, delving into this career. But Working with PCID and working with people in BARM, I've met so many genuine and inspiring people. I can really say that the nicest and the most motivating people I've met are from BARM. And I'm very grateful to know and be part of that too. That's great to know. Maybe we'll have more experiences with these people. How about you, Linar? What were your first impressions? Mom, I guess I have to echo what Gab said, that as diplomacy major, we tend to look at security from the national security standpoint, from the global security standpoint, but not much on the human security standpoint. I think that's the difference when you're working in development. So I think, honestly, like Gab said, I've met so many amazing individuals here while working at PCID. And that's where I think my first impression is about. I think my my first impression was really how so much of the work in peace building is unrecognized. So much of the, um, so much of the the individuals working in this field are unheard of. And probably that's something that I am grateful of, that we have this She Talks piece because it's a wealth of experiences like you mentioned in your introduction, ma'am. Imagine that um, we hear stories from the ground and that is something that is not mainstream. So I think really, ma'am, I'm just really, really grateful for all the stories I've heard, for the things I've experienced so far while working at PCID. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. 
Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I was just wondering about the, the interactions you've had with our communities, the communities that we work with. Can you share with us a story that you have in your interaction with uh, Muslim Mindanao or with, with the guests that we've had, the partners that we'd have, um, a funny story, uh, a heart-wrenching story. Do share anecdotes. How about you, Gab? Working at She Talks Peace, there's just so many guests of different personalities. And I think for the most impactful experience I have had is the one with the Palestinian youth. So you mentioned that in your introduction, ma'am. And I was just very inspired that I got to meet them. So I got to talk to them even before the recording. And they really shared me their experiences as students. And just hearing their stories, how in their own ways, even far from home, they're really trying to raise their voices, um, elevate the narratives of what's really going on with Gaza, I think that's going to be something that I really carry with me. I think the experience that really, really changed me or an experience that I, I don't think I'll ever forget is what you talked about, um, being able to enter camps of MILF and MNLF camps, so in Camp Darapanan and Camp Indanan in Sulu. I don't think that is an experience that everybody gets to experience. I think that's, that's a privilege. But it was really what you say, a heart-wrenching story for, for me. It was a humbling experience for me in the sense that in school or how in media, for example, we have a certain profile of how an MNLF member or an MILF member looks like. But being able to enter these camps, being able to have this face-to-face interaction with, with these former combatants, it was honestly life-changing, ma'am. I've never expected to meet a young MNLF mother, a young woman a young mother who literally begged for scholarship for her children. And I cannot forget about that, mom. And I think another thing that I would never forget is meeting an MNLF member in a wheelchair. How, for example, media portray all these MNLF members bearing gun uh, firearms, but being able to meet that person in a wheelchair, it just, it was humanizing. I think that that experience really humanizes these people. And I think another thing that I would never forget is meeting these female former combatants who are now the mediators. Imagine that, being able to meet Mom Wilma Madato, who's also one of our guests face-to-face, hearing her story, knowing her reason for joining, knowing that her reason for joining was because she don't want to be another victim of rape. Honestly, it's an experience that I would never forget. It was really, really impactful. And like what Gab said, it's something that I will be carrying with me moving forward. And change your life, change your career path, right? Definitely, ma'am, definitely. <laughs> now, uh, I'll be asking you to share funny stories in your interactions over the past year. But in the meantime, let me just um, invite our audience, our dear listeners, to. You know, if you have ideas, do email us, share your thoughts uh, at our email, shetalkspeacepodcast at gmail.com or our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at shetalkspeace. Don't forget to give us a follow. Otherwise, Gab is going to get very upset with me. If you have any requests for topics or recommendations for guests you want us to invite to our show, 
do let us know. Email shetalkspeacepodcast at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to Gab and uh, Linar. Have any funny stories for our listeners? Mom, I guess I'll circle back on my experience in Camp Indanan in Sulu. So, uh, I, I guess a bit of a context. Um, we were riding uh, a military car um, going to Camp Indanan. So, there's an agreed middle point between MNLF and our military. So, what happened is that there was a bit of a skirmish. Um, there was a bit of a misunderstanding wherein we went beyond the agreed drop-off point of the military because we were Uh-oh. supposed to be, Yeah, <laughs> after drop-off, we were supposed to be brought by the MNLF to the, to the camp. But um, the military went beyond <laughs> the agreed drop-off point. So, there was a bit of a skirmish. And of course, as someone who... Whose, whose experience is so much different. Uh, I mean, I live in Luzon, and honestly, I was panicking. <laughs> Deep inside, I was, I was really panicking. I was really, really scared. I was really anxious. And to tell you honestly, my knees were shaking. <laughs> so, <laughs> it, was, it was an experience, honestly, ma'am. But I think that's when we have someone from the MNLF with, with us. So she went down and then just talked to, to the military saying that, yeah, there's already an, uh, um, an agreement between um, the coordinators that the, the, the drop of point changed and we were not aware of that. So overall, I think it, it was really a funny story for me, like how it was easy for me to panic. <laughs> and that's when I realized that, yeah, maybe I'm not really <laughs> fit for situations like this. But yeah, um, I mean, I, just just something that really made me take a step back and realize that when you work in peace and security, you really need a heart of steel <laughs> and know the agreements and follow directions. <laughs> Communicate. <laughs> and young people aren't very good at following directions, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> and drivers of military vehicles also, I guess. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> How about you, Gab? you have any funny stories? It's just this one day, like, we're going through our usual routine with the projects. And then suddenly, one day, we were notified that, wow, we won an award. Oh, the yeah. Intercultural Award, yes, from the Austrian Ministry. And I think that caught us off guard, but it was a really, really great moment for everyone. I remember us um talking about it, ma'am, and also in the office, and we've gone a long way from there because we've also talked to, for example, um the ambassador of Austria in the Philippines, and we've talked about the impact that She Talks Peace has made, not only in the Philippines, but um all over the world. And even I myself, every time I talk to like anyone about my work. I really talk about how valuable the conversations about She Talks Peace is and that I just hope it's shared with all the youth, even the older generation, because these are just content that um, can change your understanding just by listening to it. I was just wondering, which episode of uh, She Talks Peace made a particular impact on you, Gab. And I'll ask Linar later as well. I mean, you mentioned earlier the conversation with the Palestinian youth, but were there any other conversations we had that influenced you? 
So the episode with the Palestinian youth is really up there in terms of the most memorable episodes that I have. But if I can think of another one, it's our, the second episode with Miss Nina Potarska. And in your conversation with her, she really talked about when you were recording, it's day more than 600 days of the war with Ukraine and Russia. And it was just so heartbreaking how we talked about the violence it was just being normalized now that people are just accepting this reality that there is war and that's just very heartbreaking for me because this is not a reality that should be normal and any day that is extending with this kind of violence is a huge impact to the community to the children to all the civilians and to everyone and i wish that people would really understand that and would be alarmed by these thoughts that okay we must accept that this is happening no we really shouldn't and we really should do something about it how about you linar was there any episode of she talks peace any conversation with a guest that made a particular impact on you i think mom i would really say the the episode with mom wilma madato so for our listeners mom wilma madato is a member of the bwap so the bangsamoro women auxiliary brigade i think That particular episode really made me reflect and really take a step back because I was really ruminating or I was really questioning or really trying to understand the reason why she decided to join as a child soldier. I think, ma'am, as you mentioned, I, I was involved in a research that we are doing here at BCID looking at the involvement of children in terrorist or violent extremist activities. And for Mom Wilma to say that the reason why she, she joined um, the MILF is for protection because she, she saw, she experienced that um, a lot of young women are being raped and by joining the, the armed group, she can be protected. So um, I think that is something that, that is always at the back of my mind Moving um as I as I work at PCID, I'm always trying to understand what are the underlying reasons why people join armed group, why people join violent extremists. Because as people would always think that it's just always about poverty. But I guess realizing that I, I mean doing research, talking to all these people, I realized that it's so much more than that. That um there are so many underlying reasons why people join these groups and One of that is only about protection, a sense of security. But also there's the issue of the lack of justice. There's the issue of unresolved grievances. There's also the unfulfilled promises of the peace process. I think um, if we really want to have peace, these are things that we have to think about. Um, the very reason why people join the groups. And it's always so much more than it's always so much more than economic reasons, but rather these are things like I mentioned: lack of access to justice, unresolved grievances, and even unresolved trauma, especially for the children. Imagine how, for example, in one of our research findings, is that we do not have the appropriate psychosocial support addressing the trauma experienced by these individuals, children in particular. Who were caught in the middle of armed conflict? Who were involved in violent extremist activities? So yes, ma'am. I think uh, this is really, really. Um, I think that's that experience that listening to that particular episode really um, made me always take a step back and not to just really understand first why these people join these groups and go from there. You know, listening to the two of you, I cannot help but. 
think about your college education and how maybe your college education did not really prepare you for the world. I wanted to ask you, there was a book, right? Everything I needed to learn about life, I learned in kindergarten, something like that. And I was just wondering, looking back at your college years, do you feel like it really prepared you to deal with the world? What do you say, Gab? I think, especially with our line of work, all the textbooks, all the readings, they really pale in comparison to what you will really experience and learn in like working on the ground or just after college. Whenever I talk to, for example, some of our underclassmen, sometimes I say that just a few months work with PCID already trumps in some aspects what I've learned during college. And I think it's really important to know that. Of course, in college, you will learn like the kind of perspective, for example, being open, being understanding your kind of approach when you go to these kind of careers. I think it did in some way prepare me for for the world of work. <laughs> but I think the issue is that for our program in particular, it's very theoretical. And I think that's the very reason why I was really, really interested um, in, in my job at PCID. Why when Attorney Salma <laughs> um, talked, to, talked about the, the kind of work I'll be doing at PCID, I was really sold. I was really, really, <laughs> I was really, really interested. Um, I think, ma'am, it's just really that we did a lot of research in university, but actually doing the field work, actually going down to communities, that's where you see their realities on the ground. And being in a university, it's very, very academic. We read a lot of articles. We read a lot of journals. But the moment you you go into fieldwork, the moment you really step into the communities, that's where I think so much of the learning happens. I was fortunate enough to be in this job and to be able to go down to communities and to meet all of these people. And of course, travel all over Mindanao, ma'am. That's a perk, right? That's a it nice occasion. <laughs> going to MNLF and MILF <laughs> Oh, by the way, I must ask uh, both of you, what do your parents say about your work? Oh, no. <laughs> uh, um, honestly, ma- my parents are very, very open about the kind of work I do. They are aware of the security risk associated with it. And of course, they are very much aware of the security protocols that we do here at PCID. They know that we always have um, security personnel with us when we travel all over um, Mindanao. So they are very, very open about the, the line of work. Actually, ma'am, it's very interesting that the people who are worried about, <laughs> about my job are my relatives from Mindanao. <laughs> so they are the ones only slacking up on me, asking, why are you in Sulu? Why are you in Tawi Why are you in Busiman? Very, very interesting, ma'am, that they are the ones who are more worried about my security. <laughs> what about you, Gab? With my family, they're, they were actually initially scared. So, um, to be honest, there are the, for example, misconceptions that we talk about, people having about BARM. They also have those misconceptions, or at least had. And what I just did or just continue doing is showing them, for example, um, through my stories, by letting them know what's happening, that, okay, this is really what's BARM. The beauty of BARM, the richness of BARM, just everything about BARM. And it's really nice that there's been a huge shift already with, for example, their understanding. 
That's good to know. A perk of uh, your trip to General Santos, you and Linar, you went to Lake Cebu. Can you tell us about Lake Cebu? I think I have to start by saying that we were fortunate enough that we were able to take a cruise around the lake. So mm. the whole experience, I would say, is that if peace is an experience, I think going on that trip was peace incarnate. <laughs> I think that that was really, really how I would describe the whole um, cruise going around the lake. But I think the people we've seen there are the Tibolis. So mm-hmm. we were very fortunate enough that one of actually the people who accompanied us is a member or belongs to the Tiboli community. So he is a student. Uh, he's a recent graduate of MSU Jansan. And he was telling us about the, the Tiboli. And actually during the trip, there were actually performances by the members of the Tiboli community. So there was actually a pair and they were performing their um, indigenous instruments, their dances. And it was really, really very interesting for me, ma'am, to really witness their culture and to know more about them. And of course, we bought our Tiboli bags. And, of course. <laughs> and very, very much um, in- excited to use it during, uh, I would say, events. And, you know, talk about the whole experience in South Cotabato. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm really glad that you've had very pleasant memories as well as, uh, well, rather scary (laughs) memories, both of you. So now as we leave 2023, I was just wondering if uh, the two of you would like to share one memorable event in 2023 that changed you in some way. Gab? Ma'am, if there was one um, event that really impacted or changed me, it's what happened in October 7th with Gaza and Israel. So I remember it was just a simple um, week for, at least on our side, for us. I was just with my family. And all of a sudden, all the networks, media networks, were talking about Gaza and Israel and the bombing. And since then, today, it's been more than 80 days since the attack and 80 days since a lot of um, violence has happened with Gaza. And I just saw this news that saying that northern Gaza was actually cleansed now. And it just really broke my heart to see that, especially knowing that we talked to the Palestinian youth um, just a few episodes ago and how they can contact their family, how they don't know what's happening of their homes, how their homes, their sanctuary, the culture, the identity was simply decimated by these attacks. And it really impacted me because I remember their line that this is also, for example, beyond October 7th. It goes much deeper. It goes much farther. And what that taught me as well is it's important to understand that. It's important to 
understand the nuance, the root of, for example, conflict. So we can start with our path to peace. And it's also a wake-up call for me even to do something about it in any ways and all ways that I can do from here, from She Talks Peace, from sharing, from information in any way. And I think that has only motivated me to continue with this line of career. So, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that. And can you imagine what happened on Christmas Day in Bethlehem? That the the Palestinian Christians decided it would be a silent Christmas. All shops were closed. There were no Christmas activities. There was nobody at the church. And that's so weird because on Christmas Day, there's so many tourists normally that go there to you know the, the birthplace of, uh, of Jesus Christ. And this just goes to show how misinformed people are because I've been hearing commentators uh, saying that there are no Christians in Gaza. They're all Muslim terrorists. And yet there are many Palestinian Christians. One of them was a guest of ours, Gab. Um, Lucy Tagli. And uh, Lucy is actually an elected uh, council member of, uh, of Bethlehem. So I'm really glad you, you mentioned that. How about you, Linar? What memorable event in 2023 has impacted uh, your own life and your thinking about the future? I think, Mom, I think uh, the most memorable and the most heartbreaking event of 2023 for me is really the, the recent bombing in MSU Marawi. Sorry, I, I'm curious. I don't know if the listeners won't be able to see it, but um, I think, first of all, my heart really goes to the victim, uh, families of the victims and, of course, to all the peace builders in, in, in Barm, in Mindanao. And I think the first thing that came to my mind is that I'm worried that Marawi will, be the ne- will become the next Gaza when we were just in a forum talking about how warm could potentially be the next Hong Kong. Um, I don't know if you remember that in one of our forums with the uh, UP um, Law Center. But the back of my mind, um, it was honestly heartbreaking to, to hear about that news because I was just in Marawi earlier that year. I was able to visit Marawi twice earlier this year. And the Marawi that I saw is I would really say a little Baguio. It was really surprising for me that Marawi is in fact like Baguio in the sense that it was really cold. <laughs> That's not the image of Marawi I have always thought because in media, in news, we see Marawi as this disseminated, conflict-ridden city. But arriving in Marawi, going there, it was really, really, really a little baggio for me. And to think that just just a few months after another another incident happened. And I'm just worried that it reinforced um certain prejudices, certain um certain biases against um against people in Marawi because it was really, really heartbreaking, honestly, ma'am. And I think, like I said, it was a two-step back in our work in peace building. I, I saw a lot of my friends from the from MSU. So, I mean, 
throughout PCID work, I've, I've, I was able to, to work with members of the IPDM, so the Institute for Peace in Muslim Mindanao of the different MSU campuses. And my heart really goes to them and to all the local peace builders, knowing that so much work has already been put. And here we are again, another incident, putting us to step back in our work in peace building. And I think that really made me realize that it's not only about securing peace, it's also about ensuring that peace is maintained because peace is fragile. So the work in peace building is continuous. We need more people. And I think that's why I really think this is the career I, I would like to be in. Why I wanted to really take a master's on peace and security is because we need more people on the ground. This is a massive work. We need more people on the ground. And yeah, I think that's it for me, ma'am. And there's so much tragedy. We've experienced so much tragedy this 2023. And it really weighs heavily on our mind. It breaks your heart that we cannot help but hope and pray that 2024 is going to be even a little better. So before we leave 2023, before we part ways with uh, 2023, perhaps you have a message of encouragement to our listeners, particularly young people who are starting uh, their own careers, starting their own journeys. What message would you give to them inspired by your own journey through life? If I, so many words that it's hard to verbalize, but entering this career, entering this journey, you will just be overflowing with learning, with all the experiences. Of course, you will be challenged. You will hurt as well, but you will also grow. And I think that is one way to really understand what's happening on the ground. That's really one way of pursuing the path to be able to help the communities. And maybe a general message of hope as well is I'm really glad that um, we have, um, we relaunched our, for example, our National Action Plan on Women, Peace, and Security, and now the Regional Action Plan on Women, Peace, and Security. And those, these are big feats already. But I also hope that in the next year, we see more implementation, not just implementation, but really genuine integration of these agendas on all like across levels of functions and if there's really one thing i learned um with our organization with the communities that we engage with it's really important to look at the local level involve the community um ask the stakeholders because they really want to be involved and they need to be involved to be able to so that will be able to know that these kinds of efforts that we do really aligns with what they need. And I think uh, we're already on the right track. It's very nice that we have these conversations. And I, our work already, I see a lot of potential for the next year. And I think one more thing is that in solving conflict and pushing for peace, there really is no like one way for it to happen. But if you stay close to what the community needs, what you can do, um, working together, then I think it will really happen and sustainable peace will be achieved. Thank you for that, Gab. Linar, what would your message be? Okay, ma'am. My message will be for all the Linars out there. So for all the young women who never experienced conflict, 
were fortunate enough to live in a relatively peaceful community, in a rel- relatively peaceful city. I think one thing that I would really tell them is to be involved and to never take the experience you have, the peace that you have for granted. I think just because you live in a certain, in a, in a relatively peaceful community or city, um, doesn't excuse you from, from being involved or it's not a reason why you cannot be involved. I remember having this particular conversation with my fellow youth from Mindanao. They were telling me how there are no champions for Mindanaoans coming from Luzon, how it was very interesting to actually hear that there are people championing Mindanaoan interests who are not from Mindanao. And another person that I talked to is also a fellow youth. He's from Siasi Sulu. He was telling me that we need more champions from Luzon because people in Mindanao are just really trying to survive. We are all, it's all about survival. We are all grappling for, for survival. And those who actually are in a position to, to champion Mindanao and interest are the people in Luzon. But it seems like these people do not care about what is happening in the southern part of our country. So, yeah, my message goes to everyone from Luzon, who from Visayas, who are not actually, you know, not experienced the, the um, conflict. You, you are very lucky, you're very fortunate enough to not experience that. I think the one thing you can do is to be involved and to do something about it in whatever way you can. Thank you so much, Linar. And thank you, Gab. You know, listening to you and being hopeful about the future. I think about some of the favorite quotes from Mahatma Gandhi. I know the one that you always see when you see the, uh, you get an email, there's the name, and then below that, there's always this quote about be the change that you want to be. Remember that that particular quote? I think I've got like 20 uh, people emailing me with that particular quote. But there are, There are a couple of quotes that uh, I like, and it relates to what you have said and your hope uh, as one individual that you can do something. And the first one from Mahatma Gandhi, he said, our greatest ability as humans is not to change the world, but to change ourselves. And, you know, when you think about your influence at changing something, you know, in that particular way, it makes it a little easier or maybe not because, you know, uh, as you very well know, it can become very difficult to change yourself, right? Especially if you think that you know everything and uh, you're the best version of yourself. But still, that statement comes to mind. Our greatest ability as humans is not to change the world, but to change ourselves. And uh, a partner to that quote is the other one he said, the future depends on what we do in the present. And I'm very thankful, Miss Gabrielle Galvez and Miss uh, Linar May Orbista, that what you're doing in the present is already starting to send some ripples in uh, the community of uh, peace builders, young and uh, senior. And I hope that you will continue to create ripples wherever you are and in whatever career you choose to pursue. So thank you, Gab. Thank you, Linar, for joining this year-end episode of She Talks Peace. Dear listeners, thank you for joining us and being responsible for our winning the award from uh, the Austrian uh, government 
for the Intercultural Commun Achievement Award. So this is Amina Rasul of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy, wishing all of you a brighter year ahead, a 2024 that can see peace in our regions, that see empowerment of women, protection of children, and over everything else. And my greatest hope for 2024 at this particular point in time is that humanity prevails and we see the young people, the women of Gaza, no longer victimized by this terrible tragedy that has befallen on them and the same in Ukraine. So dear listeners, thanks for being with us this year and see you again next year. Bye. Bye everyone. She Talks Peace is brought to you in partnership with Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics, the easiest way to monetize your podcast. For more information, check out their website at podcastnetwork.asia and podmetrics.co. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.